Welcome back to the Next Generation Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very interesting, very cool individual and also an old friend, Badis Nui Wat, who is a very young and aspiring and inspiring author and a very interesting, very cool blogger and, or I should say vlogger. And, you know, Badis, Badis is a very interesting young man because he's done some very interesting things and he has some very interesting perspectives. And, you know, he tries to go about these things from a Muslim perspective, as well as, you know, an American perspective, which has kind of given him some insight as to being Muslim and American and, you know, given some interesting opinions on being Muslim Americans. We have Badis Nui Wat. Badis, how you been, man? I've been good, Bilal. It's good to reconnect with you. Uh, it's been a while, but um, I'm glad to see you're doing well. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, that's your fault. You left us. You're the one who just decided to up and leave Dallas. You were just like, nah, I'm out of here. And then like, I texted you because I was uh, asking you about something. And then I was like, yeah, so blah, blah, blah. Who should I reach out to in this area or something? And you're just like, I don't know. I left Dallas months ago. I'm in Virginia. I was like, what? Hello? That's all the way over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about it? Like in terms of like, culture and setting and even in terms of like nature and you know lifestyle how do you feel about uh, the difference between Virginia and Dallas yeah I, like you mentioned nature I think that's one thing you notice um there's a lot of trees here um if you leave the city you're like pretty much in the middle of a forest so um it makes road trips different because when you leave Dallas you you just drive for like eight hours and it's just flat land you know so uh yeah um that's true. It's like a different experience that way. And uh, I think um, I don't see many differences in terms of like, just like regular living, you know, uh, you have, you have uh, your regular suburbs, you have your downtown area. I think Dallas downtown area isn't that, I mean, maybe in recent years, it's become more developed, but I feel like it's been, it's more neglected compared to the suburbs in Dallas. Mm. I think here, um, I like, I, I do live in the downtown area of my city, and uh, I think it's pretty, there's good amenities, there's a lot going on, so I like it. Nice. And yeah, I've never been, one, never been fond of downtown areas, but downtown Dallas specifically is, uh, it's, it's not the place. <laughs> it's not yeah, the place. Not, there's not too much going on there. No, not really. Just, just ridiculous, annoying traffic. It's just that's the only appeal to downtown Dallas, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. To each their own. Each their own. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you're liking uh, Virginia. That's good. And I see that you've started to dip more into your, you know, creative talents and creative abilities. A lot more vlogging. Mm -hmm. How's that been? Yeah. Um. You know, it's a slow grind to grow on YouTube. I'm not not searching for virality. I'm just searching for, you know. Putting out good quality content, stuff that's gonna last for a while. Not, there's a lot of content nowadays, like the internet is so saturated. But I think that everybody's looking for that one viral TikTok or that one viral YouTube video. But um, I don't think that lasts. I think that you know, if you're gonna go to YouTube ten years down the road, it's gonna be videos that people put work in to really make the best quality video. That's gonna last. Right. The trends coming, so I'm not. I'm not trying to be part of the trends. I'm trying to build slowly um, um it's fine with me and hopefully build something that lasts yeah okay yeah i mean praying for you inshallah you'll be able to do just that you know i was born here in dallas texas and uh 
I, I fully embrace my American identity. And I don't think that that means you have to uh, not, you know, not fully embrace your Muslim identity. I think you can do both. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I disagree with anybody who, who would say that to be a Muslim, you have to, you know, uh, not embrace American, um, your American identity. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we, America gets slammed as like one of the, I, one of actually, if not the most haram country to live in. I've heard that quite a few times. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, some people will be like, oh, how dare you? How could you choose to live in this country with all this haram, all this haram here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wow, <laughs> man, I'm like, now I'm thinking about it and everything is like, I didn't really choose to live here. I was just born here, man. Like, I'm like, I'm black. I'm African-American. My, my family has been here for years. But then yeah, on the yeah, other yeah. end, like, I always think like, oh, yeah. So there must be some amazing contrast between, you know, Muslim countries and non-Muslim countries. But the crazy thing is when you go to Muslim countries, it's like you see the exact same problems, if not worse, because it's like, well, everybody in this Muslim country knows that this is haram or most of the people in this population are Muslim in America. That's yeah. not the case. The yeah. Muslim population is much smaller than the majority population, the other religious groups that dominate, um, you know, in the U.S. But, you yeah. know, when you see these problems in Muslim countries, I feel like it's it should be worse or should be viewed as worse because this is a Muslim country. Yeah, I, don't know, I think that's just one of the big problems in our ummah today. Uh, we got a bunch and <laughs> that's one of them. Yeah, man. So speaking of our ummahs, how do you see the state of our ummah in these communities? Because you've been to a few different communities with your vlogs and you've, you know, uh, shown us some details and went into a few different aspects of these communities. But overall, in general, how do you see the state of our ummah across these different communities in the U.S.? Yeah, so, you know, I've I'm, I haven't seen everything, um, mm -hmm. and I don't want to uh, make a, make points or claims that seem like I'm talking from a place of authority. From my limited perspective, I would say that I think that, you know, in so many ways, we're divided. We're divided culturally. We're divided financially. We're divided, um, you know, through problems like racism. We're, we're divided through problems of um, just like trying like uh, inferiority complexes where we're trying to appease the, the you know, the non-Muslims and we're not supporting each other. And um, I think with all these different things that are plaguing our community, um, we just need, you know, we need people who are bridge builders. Um, we have a lot of people that are, you know, doing great in their careers, doing great as doctors, engineers, um, business people, but, um, we need people who build communities and uh that's not the most financially rewarding uh thing to do nowadays not you know all. we live in a capitalistic society where you're always trading time for money and that's the way we think about it here and so considering that community building doesn't really net you much income i think that our smartest minds and our our most sincere people are are, are going elsewhere and so uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems we have. And it's part of, part of it is that we live in, in, in this capitalistic society, which is capitalism is not something that has existed throughout history, but this is sort of an experiment that we're living in, in these times. And so it's really interesting to see how it affects our psyches as Muslims, as Americans. And uh, it's something that I see in every community. Um, we, need, we need more sincere community builders. And uh, if, we, if we do have that, inshallah, I think that we'll we'll blossom as a community in America. Inshallah. Yeah, inshallah.
And what you mentioned just now was interesting because I was thinking about it. And, you know, when you see the, the focus and the push on capitalism, and you see sometimes people will, you know, come over from a Muslim country and they'll, they'll start their life here, and then they'll have their children here, and then they'll make their focus. You know, I was just listening to something. I was talking about um, parenting and, you know, how you should, or the emphasis that you should place on your children, you know, in order to, you know, you want them to be uh, well-mannered, respectful, and pious, you know, individuals who fulfill their, uh, you know, fulfill the commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, you know, fulfill the commitment to their parents and everything like that. And, you know, the, the chef was saying that, you know, when I interview people and I ask them, I was like, okay, so you say that you want your child to be pious, you want them to be respectful, but what have you done about that? And the parents are like, wait, what do you mean? What are we supposed to do? Like, this, this is what we want. What, are we, what else are we supposed to do? It's like, well, what do you have them doing after school? Which school do you send them to? And then usually the answer is just like, well, we have them in these, you know, these high, you know, um, these highly academic programs. We have them doing stuff like uh, STEM extracurricular activities. We have them in robotics club, mathematics club, you know, Toastmasters, whatever it may be, all these different things. And all of these things have absolutely nothing to do with their, you know, their spirituality. They all have to do with their academic ability, which would go towards them, you know, furthering their education and, you know, getting a prestigious career or a successful yeah. career, as, you know, some would say. But they're completely and totally neglecting and negating the spiritual aspect of it. And it's as simple as, you know, put them in a Quran class here or talk to them about the deen and talk to them about understanding religion and how they should be good Muslims. And it's as simple as that, but people don't make it, or a lot of us don't make it our priority. You know, we seem mm -hmm. to forget that and we replace it with bada bing, bada boom, want some cash, right? <laughs> so yeah. unfortunately that is, yeah, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. But um, I don't know, you know, we gotta make a, a lot of dua and we gotta ask a lot to help us with that because it's not just one family here, two families there. This is like throughout our entire ummah, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Allah help us. Allah help us. Allah give us victory and make our priorities appropriate. I mean, I mean, but, um, you know, that being said, you know, in addition to, you know, this obvious, you know, this state of our ummah and whatnot, what do you think were some of the major strengths in the communities that you were able to witness? And some of the major weaknesses some of the major strengths i see is that if you if, if you go to the masajid you will find really humble people mm. um some of the people who are you know running the shura people who are taking board positions it's people who just you know they're they're community members who just come and pray who you see them staying late praying their sunnahs making duas communicating with their brothers um you'll find these type of people everywhere and uh, I think that when you, if you get, if you're not plugged into the community, you're going to be demoralized because you're gonna, you're just going to see the, you're just going to see the negatives of every society, every community. You'll see on social media what's going on. You'll mm -hmm. see the wars and see the 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 bad leaders. You'll see the the crime. You'll see all the negative things. But if you want to find the good people, you have to be plugged into the communities. And no matter where which community I go to, I, I find these people. Sincere, humble people. You know, they, they know they're they know what they're here on this earth for, to to worship Allah and to help one another. And so that's what I'll say is uh, a positive. You know, um, never think that everybody in the world is, is lost and everything is wrong. There's good people everywhere, and you just have to find them. 
That's deep. That's pretty deep. And also motivating at the same time. It's like one of those things that they say restores your faith in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I'll have to quote you on that. This is a Badisma we want original. Uh okay, cool, cool. And would you like like would you single out any other major weaknesses from the community besides the ones that we already mentioned? Yeah, we did mention the 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 division, you know, many different types of division. I think that and one problem you could say is the the lack of respect for uh for knowledge. I think that you have a lot of communities where you know it cut ties in with the capitalism capitalism as well because we respect people who are um who've achieved a lot in their careers, people who make a lot of money. And we even elevate those people to leadership in our nonprofits, in our masajid, in our organizations. And so we are, in doing so, we are sending a message that the secular knowledge and the secular success is more valuable than the spiritual knowledge and the spiritual success. If we were being honest and sincere, we would elevate the people who are the most learned amongst us in the spiritual sciences to be our leaders. But as you see, we, we have not done that, whether it's politics abroad or communities here. It's always uh, the businessman or the, the famous um, celebrity, for example, Imran Khan in Pakistan. I'm sure he's a sincere guy, but, you know, he was a he was a cricketer. And that's why everyone recognized his face and, and voted for him. Just like we had uh, Noman Ali Khan um, in Irving. He was a he had he was to be honest, he was not very active in our community. But one day he decided he wanted to run for Shura, mm. run to run for the board. And uh, because of his celebrity celebrity status, mm -hmm. the whole community voted him in. He became Shura president overnight. Someone who had come to the masjid maybe two, three times a year became the Shura president. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not saying he's not knowledgeable, but I'm saying that we look familiar faces, celebrities. Yeah. Um, and he was also a successful businessman. We we value those things more than somebody who's the you know the humble sincere scholar, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's telling that showing that we we deserve to a certain level we deserve the problems in our in our communities because we are not elevating the correct people to the positions of leadership. Mm. Yeah, uh, Subhanallah. When you mentioned that, it made me think of one Arnold Schwarzenegger the. I don't even know how long he's been the governor in California or wherever he is. But um, I was thinking about that because when I first heard about it, I was like, that has to be a joke. That can't be real. And then I was like, oh, this is real? Why? <laughs> Why did they elect him to be governor? Like, yeah. yeah, he's in movies and stuff. But that doesn't say anything about his ability to, you know, be a politician. But yeah. even Donald Trump, it. too. Yeah, the, yeah that's, ah, that's a whole can of worms, man. <laughs> That's a whole can of worms. Yeah, it's so funny. But what do people because... say? What do people say about Donald Trump? He's a he's a businessman. He knows how to run the economy. Mm -hmm. So and it's it's all it's all about what we value in our yeah. leadership. That's very true. That's very true. And just this whole thing of using popularity to put people in power. Subhanallah. It's funny because when you think about it, that's how it works when you're in like middle school. That's how it works when you're in middle school, like running for student council or something like that. And it just goes yeah. to show that, you know, people will go older and, you know, get all these degrees and all these things. But humans were very simple. We're very simple yeah. creatures. You know, we yeah. can go from little kid to adult and we still be doing the same thing. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous when you think about it. But 
it's also powerful at the same time because it goes to show us that you know we we really need to be humble because you know we think we know so much we think we're so powerful we think we have all this influence but we're really very 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 simple creatures that make a lot of mistakes a lot of mistakes but man 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 yeah you know going back to or continuing on with communities why is it that you think that you know because i did some research i was watching some of your videos and whatnot and you know looking through some of the communities that you interviewed and the the things that they said to you and the things that the points that you brought up so why is it that you think women and children are being shut out of a lot of different communities a lot of different massages and do you think that this is something that if we continue shutting out women and shutting out children do you think our communities can survive and thrive with these with the consequences that it brings yeah and i think you, i think you know the answer that um we cannot survive um mm -hmm. and uh it's a simple question of people who are in power they don't want more um they don't want more people demanding their rights from them because it complicates things mm -hmm. people nowadays uh leading our communities they they just want things to stay the same they don't they want uh the status quo to stay the same mm -hmm. and uh if you look at what um, what Joe Biden said to appease the the Republican voters, I remember very clearly. He said it, this was like a secret meeting with um, some of the some of the more richer people in our society. The it was leaked in a newspaper. Mm. Um, he said nothing will fundamentally change, and that's how he got them on board to vote for him. And now he's our president. <laughs> so nothing's going to change. Nothing will fundamentally change. You know, we're going to talk a little big, big, big picture stuff, but don't worry, your money's safe. Your, your status in society is safe. And so I think our, some of our leaders, they, they want things to stay the same. They don't want too much change. Mm -hmm. And when you start elevating women to the leadership, start making space for them in the community, when you start elevating the youth, we start developing them to be the next leaders, mm -hmm. that kind of, uh, that threatens their, their, their control. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a problem that, you know, we have older people in the communities who, you know, we, they, they, they did a lot of work to build these massages. They mm -hmm. did a lot of work to build these communities, to build these neighborhoods. But when you're in, when you're in control for so long, it makes you wary of someone coming to take your, your, your throne. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we noticed this, we noticed that the older people, they're not ready to pass the baton to the youth. Mm -hmm. When will they pass the baton to the youth? Mm. On their deathbeds is too late. There's yeah. a youth who, there's a youth I know who the generation before me at my masjid, the age between now, today they're probably in their late twenties, thirties. Mm -hmm. These people, they grew up in the masjid, but they were never given space. And so they drifted away from the masjid. Mm. And so, when the leaders of the community, when they start to, to, let's say, first of all, let's say retire, meaning that they can't keep the money flowing in the, in the masjid anymore, they can't keep the lights on. When they start to retire, when they start to, you know, pass, pass away, who's going to keep the lights on? Who's going to keep the events going? Who's going to keep the, the masjid active? Mm. If you're not passing the baton on to the youth, then the masjid dies. And, you know, like you asked me the question, can the community survive? No, the community cannot. That's very true. And uh, and you need uh, you need the woman in the community because the women are educating and uh, they're spending the most time with the youth. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need every aspect of the community involved. 
you can't exclude the women, you can't exclude the youth, and the, the men, of course, they're already, you know, involved. But every every aspect of the family needs to have space in the masjid, needs to feel like they're they're part of it. When when a person doesn't feel like they're part of the community, then they slowly drift away and then the network, the beehive, loses somewhat. We all need to be together so that we can build something strong. Mm-hmm. And everyone has to feel like they have skin in the game, that they have a seat at the table. Without that, we lose our resources and we, we eventually we fail. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. And, you know, when, you know, when you were mentioning the thing about how we need to have, you know, the women and the children involved, uh, it's so important because we're trying to hold, we're trying to have a community. We're not trying to have this giant man cave or something, right? So if we want to have a community, then as you said, we need to have everybody from the community involved and we need to make them feel involved, make them feel welcome, not make them feel like they are Burden, burdens and they're unwelcome and that they they don't have any space and that they're also a waste of space at the same time because then we have mm-hmm. a whole lot of other problems we have a whole lot of other problems and you know subhanallah it's it's so funny to think about this because this should never be an issue like when we go back to what the prophet them tells us you know we should want for our brothers what we want for ourselves right and as you were saying, you know, you know, the people who are in power in the community, they don't want anybody else to have what they have. They don't want anybody else to come up to their level because they don't want things mm-hmm. to change. But we're supposed yeah. to want for them what we want for ourselves. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't have that emphasis. Like our priorities are all sorts of out of whack. And yeah. yeah, it's scary when you think about it, because these are the things and we're seeing this a lot. You know, I know we've seen it with a lot of people from our community, a lot of the youth from our community. They just feel that disconnect with Islam and they just pushed away in terms of beliefs, in terms of actions. And sometimes they actually go ahead and leave Islam, like they completely and totally renounce it. And um, it's terrible because, you know, they were kind of pushed into that position, forced into that position. I mean, each one of us is responsible for our actions. But at the same time, you can't just ignore all the factors that push somebody to making this decision. It wasn't just one little thing overnight. It was like, yeah, I'm not going to be Muslim anymore. I don't like it. No, it was all the times that he went to the masjid and he got yelled at or he got slapped around or people told him like, no, you can't do this here. He was trying to play basketball or something. And people were telling him, yelling at him or shouting at him or the sisters that came into the community. They're trying to hold an event for sisters and they got denied and they got pushed out. And they said that sisters place is at the home. Well, why would they keep coming? Why would they feel welcome there? Why would they Mm -hmm. see the beauty? in something that has done nothing but shown them hatred. Right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's terrible. It's very terrible and it's very disturbing. But, you know, that's the reality that we're facing with a lot of these, you know, a lot of our communities and a lot of individuals. Mm-hmm. And, man, we got to make a lot of dua for our ummah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Allah help us and Allah save us. I mean, all right. So we've talked a lot about the community. And I have one last question for you about the community. And that is, how exactly would you define the Muslim identity? And how exactly would you define the Muslim American identity? I think um, Muslim identity can be with any culture, right? Um, Muslim identity is uh, purely what you believe about Allah, what you believe about the Prophet, uh, what do you believe about your purpose in life? Um, these heavy questions that comes to a human's mind one day or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone comes on their own journey to uh, to achieve spirituality. 
And so your Muslim identity can 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 be with anything. Uh, it doesn't have to be an Arab culture to to be a Muslim identity. You don't have to wear Arab clothes to be a Muslim. And uh, when it comes to Muslim American identity, it's the inputs that growing up in this country um, gives you as a human, as a person, how it affects your personality, how it affects your expectations of the world, how it, how does it how does it affect your um, your likes and your dislikes, um, what the kind of food that you like, you know, all these different things that impact you as uh, as a person from a sociological perspective. Mm. So, um, as a Muslim American, we want to be we want the best for the country that we live in and that we grew up in, and we know that the best way to organize society is through Islam, and the best way to be the best citizen is as a Muslim. And so coupling these two identities is what you get um, when you're a Muslim American. And uh, I think we should we should all strive to be the best Muslim and the best American that we can be. Oh, that's definitely important. And unfortunately, you know, there are some notions that we can't blend the two elements. You like you can't be Muslim and American. You can't be a Muslim American. But, you know, as you said, it's it's, it's very possible and very easy to do it. It just means that you have to make sure that you are you put your priorities where your priorities need to be for the sake of Allah and then you put those priorities into action you implement them with your actions like you're not saying that it's like okay I'm Muslim American and you know everybody's going out for drinks after work so I don't go with them because I'm just trying to blend in with Muslim American culture like no <laughs> no I mean your priorities got to be what your priorities got to be we believe that alcohol yeah. and drinking is haram and whatnot so you got to be like, okay, no, I'm sorry. I'll go to work. I'll go to school. I'll talk to people, I'll interact with people in the best and most halal way. But at the same time, I'm not going to sacrifice my values. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, start implementing all these things that go against my core fundamental beliefs. Because, yeah, exactly. I'm Muslim and I'm American. But the thing is, you know, they don't have to clash with each other. They really don't. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to be Muslim and American. You know, you can pray at work, you can pray at school, you can go to the masjid. Alhamdulillah, we have so many masajid. We have so many masajid here. And it's such a blessing because it's so easy for us to implement our religion in this country. Like, you know, sometimes there are people who don't like Muslims who hate on us. Like, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's not like we're being forced and rounded up into concentration camps. We're not being bombed. We're not being hurt like, you know, other Muslim countries around the world. So it's such a blessing yeah. for this country. We have the ease of worship and whatnot. And yeah, sometimes people don't like you, but would you rather have people not like you or rather have people drop a bomb on you? Because I feel like yeah. there's an easy choice to make when it comes to those two options right there. But, um, you know, subhanAllah, and, you know, Muslim identity and Muslim American identity. Honestly, I feel like I don't identify with any culture besides the, the culture associated with being Muslim American. Because me personally, I'm mixed, right? My dad's black and my mom is from Zanzibar, right? She's Zanzibar Omani. And, you know, I didn't grow up around either one of those cultural or ethnic groups, right? So, you know, later on when I started spending time with black people or if I started spending time with people who are Zanzibar Omani, I didn't feel comfortable with either. But the only people I felt comfortable with were my Muslim brothers and sisters. Of course, not, not the sisters that much, stuff that a lot, right? You know? All right, but um, 
you know, by the Muslim community, the Muslim American community, the people that lived yeah. here, the people who grew up here, because there was so much that we could share, so much that we could relate to, so much that we could talk about. You know, we yeah. talk about all the times we're just hanging out at the masjid after school or after Quran class or running around, skipping class, you know, playing basketball. It's a lot of time is going and we're just like, oh, snap, we got to go pray and the tarawih and, you know, all the different adventures and shenanigans we got into as Muslim Americans. And that's the culture that I love and that I just feel so strongly attached to. And I'm so proud of it. And, you know, I pray that Allah sometimes gives this love to everyone else and he increases the love in me as well and, you know, never takes it away because... If, if that love ever goes away, then I'll, I'll be sad. I'll be really depressed. <laughs> but, man, alhamdulillah, it's, it's a blessing to be able to feel that attachment and to be able to feel proud of it. Yeah. And Allah make us all able to do that. I mean. I mean, I mean. So, brother, I know you've been waiting to talk about this since we started this whole interview. Talk to me, man. Talk to me about these books, the Nur al-Din series. And you self-published these books, right? Yes. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, tabarakallah. So talk to me about the series and talk to me how it was with, you know, advertising on your own. Because, you know, as you self-publish, you don't have people doing your advertising. You got, that's all you. And how was the reception and what did you go for the future with these books? Yeah, so um, definitely uh, the advertising part is, takes a lot of legwork, right? Um, mm -hmm. When you're, just, when you're self-published, you don't have a company behind you that's promoting you. And that's to market amongst your your network, but they they pump a lot of money in putting your book out there in bookstores, Barnes and Nobles, um, you know, getting book reviews from top newspapers, magazines. Being a writer isn't necessarily um, a business uh, a business endeavor. It's more of a creative endeavor. And so a lot of people who are very creative um, with writing and or art or whatever, there's a merging of the two that is needed able to market my books is I was initially I started off with my immediate network so I I held a book signing event um, at my masjid mm -hmm. um, that was my first kickoff event and uh, also social media um, whatever you know followers I had I promoted my book and I told people you know share it um, retweet whatever it is and uh, that was my initial kickoff mm -hmm. but after that initial kickoff usually uh, things start to die if you don't find new ways to promote them right. so um one way i figured that out was to identify book reviewers online and send them free copies of your book in exchange for a review so i was able to get a lot of um interest that way and you know you just need exposure really like once you've done the work once you've written the book or done the project that you know a book takes about like at least a few months if you're quick it could up to like years so once you've done, done that task um it's really about getting the word out um and you have to be you you, you have to do your best to get get your book in the right hands because there's so many people that appreciated my book like young people even some older people but how would it have ever gotten in their hands if i didn't um, find a way to promote it mm -hmm. So if I think that, you know, for me personally, it was hard to promote myself because um, I don't like to, you know, talk about myself or say, talk about what I'm doing. I like to more like work low key and just let my work speak for itself. But you do, you really do have to, you know, get a little bit out of your comfort zone. Um, because think about it this way. If you're, if you're like me and you don't like promoting yourself, 
um, think about it this way. You put in all this work to create a good product. Um, there's people out there, whether you're right for kids or adults, there's people out there who deserve to see the fruit of your labor. Mm. Um, because, it's, you know, they're going to benefit from it. And, you know, I've got a lot of emails and messages of, or even pictures of, you know, boys like 12, 13, 14, who are just like very excited about my books. And uh, it, it, make, it definitely puts a smile on my face, but it makes me think about it. Like, you know, I, Alhamdulillah, I was able to at least benefit one, two, three, four, you know, I was able to benefit some people with this work that I did. And, um, and so really you just have to uh, think about it that way. You, you, if you came, if you came at it with the right intention, mm -hmm. then, you know, promote it and put it in the right hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I, I really appreciate hearing that. And, you know, it's beautiful because whenever you do something and you benefit somebody, you just have that good feeling. You just have that good feeling inside like, man, I helped somebody. I did something beneficial for somebody else. It's just an amazing feeling inside. But in addition to that, especially when it's something beneficial and rewarding, you help somebody else with it. And then you get the sadaqajariya, you get the reward that keeps on going for every single time they mention or think about you know, what you encourage them to do or anytime they, you know, do it themselves. And I'm sure, you know, the books are jam packed with reminders and, you know, things that feel that fill these, you know, these young minds with the pride of I'm Muslim. This is something that yeah. I identify with. Like, Allah, yeah. like, yeah. it just gives them that pride and that confidence and that good feeling. Yeah. And, you know, may Allah SWT reward you and increase you for that, man. I mean, that's a, that's a major, that's something that we really need in our in our communities we need things and different aspects that make people feel proud to be muslim like we need to have our own media sources like muslim media sources so they're not just like oh man look at all these people having all this fun look at all these famous people and celebrities this is their lifestyle but like what about the muslim lifestyle why don't we have people promoting these islamic lifestyles and whatnot and making it seem fun and enjoyable because yeah we're muslim there are some restrictions but we can still have a lot of fun we can still have a lot yeah. of fun in the halal way and get rewards for it, right? Because that's what yeah. we need people to promote. That's what we need people to do. And not just people who are just going to be like, oh, yeah, I got a Muslim name. But uh, then, you know, they see all this content and all these other things that they're doing. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really identify with that. Like, yeah, we could tell. <laughs> we could tell, man. <laughs> we see all the things, all the content that you have in your video and the way that you're talking and everything. And, you know, it's not to say, not to expose anybody or anything like that. But when you're putting yourself out in public with certain behaviors that clearly go against Islam, then, you know, your actions spoke for themselves. You know, mm -hmm. not to say that, you know, this is all this person is limited to. This is all this person does. This is their connection with Allah, because Allah knows their connection. Allah knows their intentions. But we do have to be aware of what we put out in public, because yeah. those actions can encourage other people in a good way or a bad way. And then that yeah. always comes back to us whether it's with, it's with good deeds or whether it's with, with sins, right? Whatever we leave in someone else's heart, whatever we encourage them to do, you know, we have to be careful yeah. with what we put out because that's going to affect us. Definitely. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm excited because, you know, it was one it was awesome being able to talk to you again. It was like, come on, man, stop being such a stranger. <laughs> but also, you know, just hearing about, you know, your experience with, you know, advertising and self-publishing, it's encouraging. 
it's encouraging because you know uh you know sometimes you have ideas and sometimes you have people who know who have ideas and whatnot and they're just like ah, i can't do it there's nothing i can do about it and then you know you hear a story like that and it's just like maybe i can do it yeah. maybe i can do these things and alhamdulillah may allah sometimes increase you may he continue to make you a good role model and a good example and better you in every single way shape and form i mean i mean any closing remarks brother um, yeah, you know, something I read recently, which was inspiring, is that as authors, for, for just specifically to authors, but I'm sure you could apply this other in other areas, there's not enough people writing books. If you think about it, one person takes months to a year to write a book. How long does it take for someone to read it? A few weeks, maybe a few days if they're quick. Yeah. So, you know, you're not in competition with other creators. There's enough consumers out there that they need you to keep to, to to see yourself as not as competing with other people, but working with other people. So I think that don't be discouraged if you see like, oh, there's already people doing this. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be more people doing it, especially for Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when a Muslim kid goes to the library, how many books does he pick up that's going to be uh, written by a Muslim author or have Islamic themes in it? You know, there's so little out there that I think that you know, we need more people doing stuff like this, whether it's getting into entertainment, making TV shows, making movies, making books, making anything at all, really. Uh, don't be discouraged and think that, oh, I'm not the first one to have done this, so I'm just not, I'm gonna give up on it. You don't have to be the first one. There's enough, there's enough people out there that we can all be creators and, uh, and, and you know, contribute something to the community. So, uh, yeah, my, my advice to anybody who wants to create something beneficial and put it out in the world is don't think about the competition. Just it's you against yourself. You need to be able to sit down every day and add words to the page or, you know, edit that footage or whatever it is and, uh, and, and come out with a product. Um, and that, so that's my advice, you know, just try to create something beneficial Put it out in the world, inshallah. So are you hinting at a Nuruddin TV series coming up soon, inshallah? No, no. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be cool. But um, right now I'm focused on writing the, the third book in the trilogy. Um, and uh, once I finish the third book, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not waiting around for anything. Um, you know, it's probably going to start a different series with a new, uh, the new main character. So, you know, just if, some, if things, if things fall that way, or if anything happens, then, you know, it's through the grace of Allah, but I'm focused on just putting stuff out there. And, you know, even though you said you're not, you don't got a plan for it, you know, Allah wants to make you able to go through those different avenues and those, because, you know, it's, it would be really awesome. It would be yeah. really awesome just to see that. And just uh, more content just popping up and you know tv shows movies animated live action and then it's like a whole different avenue a whole different venue that we can go down and make it all beneficial for the sake of allah swt beautiful beautiful inshallah inshallah amen i appreciate you i appreciate your wisdom wise beyond your years mashallah and jazakumullah i appreciate your time and uh you know don't be a stranger yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let me know when you're thank back you in Dallas, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for the uh, for the invitation. Got to, oh, to catch wow. up with you. 
Alhamdulillah. I enjoyed it. Alhamdulillah. All right, man. I'll catch you later, inshallah. Appreciate everybody signing in and tuning in to the Next Generation Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out. Assalamu alaikum. Take it easy. Thank you.